Great Journey by Florence Jules, 1972. On the lunar rays shine gnosis that flowers in the bed of Rama. Page 108. An island is more and less than soil adrift in an ocean. As part of the whole, it is not separate, but cut through and surrounded by the surface of flux and floral variability. There is wealth in islands, and recognizing their duality, their solid permanence coupled with the rise and fall of eternal liquid shrouds, and the monkey that fights the tiger battles for dominance over these islands, and the island. For the shape of the thing suggests the purpose of that thing, and in the monkey lies the blueprint of man, and in the tiger lies the hunger for permanence beneath the waves of obscurity. The song of life is strong in both monkey and tiger, and their battle will never end. The tiger fears the monkey, for his form leads to great knowledge, and the monkey fears the tiger, for his form leads to consumption and oblivion. But the tiger has no true form, and the monkey is also of the island and the waters. Ward off the tiger with the monkey, but... Beware the tiger also will consume the monkey to consume the island, though in being consumed himself, the tiger within the monkey. His hold on the soils of the island fails, and he slips into the waters of and for eternity. That's weird, right? So the whole book is excerpts like that. There's some 483 pages of stream of consciousness type writing. Many sections seem to start with some reference to the moon or silver light illuminating things. The weirdest thing is this passage has relevance, I think. The book itself was written in 1972. Seems to have been photocopies of typewritten pages, all numbered and in order. Some of the pages are actually just what appears to be biro doodles. The type you might make while talking on the phone or sitting in a boring meeting. I wonder if you're supposed to read it high. Anyway, here's a bit from Collected Journals and Writings of the Hunters by Victor Hills in 1786. It ties in with Florence's rambling. I'm not sure what part of the great journey I can make use of, but... Well, you'll see. June 20. 1756, Calcutta, Fort William. I first spied the scene from atop a spire overlooking the base of Fort William. Fires built the previous evening surrounded the fort as the Nawab's men laid siege. I fear I was too late to stop a tragedy from transpiring. I came to Calcutta to observe and possibly capture or kill a legendary Rakshasa. It is thought the Rakshasa were created only to fight Rama and capture the island of Sri Lanka from his monkey soldiers, but I find that hard to believe. My experience tells me Rakshasa are a complete race of spiritual, magical beings from the prehistoric battles of mystical entities that form the basis of Hindu mythology. They are neither good nor evil, 
so much as alien. Some are said to aid people, protecting them and helping them survive otherwise disastrous events, like guardian angels, while others are man-eating monsters, seemingly hell-bent on carnage. Given the scene I have witnessed, I knew the Rakshasa I was hunting was more closely a relative of the latter classification. Earlier, in the 19th, the fort's commander had ordered his men to escape, but left John Zephaniah Holwell, a former military man, in charge of some seven score men. The native allies had shortly fled, leaving the fort undermanned. They had no hope of holding off the besieging army, and sure enough, during the afternoon of the 20th, the fort gates were breached and the British surrendered. I moved in amongst the confusion of victory. I was unnoticed, having donned an effective disguise. Remaining unshaven and wearing a turban, I passed for a native if I wasn't too closely examined. The Rakshasa is a tricky beast to track, given its ability to change form and cast illusion. Despite its cunning, the tiger spirit of the Rakshasa reveals itself by its desire or need to consume. It even hoards knowledge if only to ingest it. The damage done to the library of Nawab Siraj Uddwala is a telltale sign. I have no doubt this conflict between the Nawab and the company was fomented by the shape-shifting beast. I have no idea what its end goal might be. It could simply be for the delight of conflict, or it could be some ancient sense of patriotism. In any case, it is important not to attribute human motivation to the inhuman. I found where they had herded the some threescore-odd survivors to the prison block, the black hole as it was known. I knew then that one of the guards, or more likely the officer, was the Rakshasa. The black hole was a small room, meant to house no more than two or three men at a time, but when the door was opened, the room it revealed appeared expansive and capable of easily affording the accommodation of the sixty-seven men being shoved in. Knowing better, I anointed my eyelids with the monkey spit balm I had made up. The king of tricksters, the monkey has the power to see past tricks and lies, and in this case, past the Rakshasa's illusion. The room was so small, the guards had trouble shutting and bolting the door on the poor souls being locked in. The guards remained unaware of the appalling act they were performing. I made the decision at that point to continue to execute my commission, rather than rescue the men. I regret that decision still, and I think the image of all those men struggling and gasping will haunt me for the rest of my life. I followed the officer and his guards back to their posts, still unsure which was the monster. The monkey spit let me see through tricks and deception, but the Rakshasa possesses no true form, so any form it takes is as true as any other. It is not a trick that can be seen through. There was one test I could do. Though not conclusive, it works well enough. The Rakshasa is always wary of, and you might say frightened by monkeys. Out of sight, I began making noises like a monkey, quietly at first, and then gaining in volume. At the same time, I drew my scimitar. Then, with a screech, I leapt from behind the corner, capering like a monkey, screeching and screaming. To any human observer, I would have appeared surprising but comical. The officer's eyes widened in shock. 
but as one of the guards who shrunk back, arms flailing in sudden terror. While he was still off balance and ignoring the officer and other guard, I lunged forward and slashed with my sword. The Rakshasa, quick as a whip and lithe as a dancer, spun out of the way. They have built into them the instincts and power of a warrior at peak condition and the wisdom of indefinable age. My first attack was doomed to fail despite my swift strike tattoos and the charm of St. George I wore. But, fast as the Rakshasa was, my strike clipped the tip of a finger from an upraised hand. That was all I needed, because I knew the single weakness of the Rakshasa and the tip of a finger was all I needed. I rolled to the floor and ended the Rakshasa's existence, his body collapsing and fading as if he were made of no more than smoke. I made my escape then, before the others could recover their composure. Wow, okay. So, you see the Great Journey passage. It talks about a battle between a tiger and a monkey over an island. Clearly, clearly that is metaphorical in some way. Or, or maybe also literal, since... I've read the Wikipedia entry on Rakshasa, and they were created to conquer Sri Lanka, which is an island, and they fought against monkey soldiers, whatever they are. I'm just not sure how the hunter killed the Rakshasa. Seems like he assumed the reader would just know, so it wasn't worth mentioning. Well, I'm about to go off and fight one now, and I don't know what that weakness is. I also don't know how to make monkey spit unless it literally is just monkey spit, and I don't have magic tattoos or a charm of St. George. Seems some of these hunters in the collected journals and writings were well equipped for their job. If I survive tonight, and that is seeming a little far-fetched now, I hear that Rakshasa have built into them the instincts and power of a warrior at peak condition. And I have all the power and instincts of a computer programmer who likes to jog at lunch. I mean, sure, I've done some martial arts as a kid and, and a little kendo like all good nerds, but I didn't progress with that and it was more than 10 years ago since I lasted anything one might call martial. I'm not a warrior though, I'm realising I probably should be. Still, the hunter didn't have a team and, and wasn't armed with a taser, so we'll see. And what do I have? I mean, really. I think the saying that it isn't the dog in the fight, but the fight in the dog that counts is true. So, do I have enough fight in me? When I first found the books, I thought I could finally see the real world. But, you know what the real world is? It's inside. That's cheesy, right? Yeah, true. Before I woke up, I was all external. I wanted people to recognize me, and I thought I deserved awards and praise, but I had no... I had nothing inside. Oh, what was my intention? What was, what was in my core? Nothing. Heidi believed in me. I think she saw something more in me. I, I miss her. Uh, that's what I have now. I know I can make a difference, and so I must. The monkey can defeat the tiger. I must consume the tiger. What was that about? Did Florence mean that 
Literally or figuratively? Do I have to mentally become like a tiger? Or did the hunter do something with the tip of the Rakshasa's finger? Oh, look, it's, it's time to go. Crap, crap, crap. Be cool. Panic screws with your perception and reaction. Breathe through it and be centered. Oh, easy for you, John. You're an absolute machine. Tony, guys, we can do this. Beatrice says this back door has been left clear. You're right. I'm the monkey becoming the tiger, consuming her. What? Are you recording this? Oh, yeah, straight to the cloud. I've sent each of you an email with all the login details and instructions on how to post this anonymously as a podcast. That's a bit morbid. I've told you before I'm keeping all this as a public record. This can't be kept secret. I doubt anyone will think it's real. I've got a guy editing and releasing it all. He thinks it's an audio drama. I've asked him not to add any music or opener, but... Okay, guys, can we focus? Consume your tigers and be the monkey or whatever that means, but let's get in. You all remember how to use your batons? Pepper spray? Taser? Yep. Let's go. He made sure this door was open and not being watched. We're supposed to come in this way and catch Shilpa by surprise while she preps in the back room. We're a good hour early so there won't be any guests hanging around and B will make sure no one from Gemworld is out back. If it all goes to plan, the door ahead will open onto a room with just B and Shilpa. And then there's no hesitation. We have to all charge her at once to secure. I have to knock her out or kill her fast before she gets a chance to use her illusion on us. That's the plan, as rubbish as it is. Okay, ready? On three. One, two, three. I'm so glad you made it right on time. B? What? Why? She was using you, you fool. But you don't have the books anymore. And that collector is... Gone, and so are the books. B! <laughs> don't look so surprised. I don't see what Heidi sees in you. I'll have to ask her. Do you think it just happy coincidence I ran into you at the bookstore? Why do you think I turned up to the estate auction? I was too late, of course. But there were several auctions to get to that day. Enough. My stakeholders are eager for the death match. You see the cameras? Make sure you put on a good show. And that was the last you saw of her. Well then, let's mess this bitch up. Holy... You got your gun? Venus? What the... Ouch. I'm not so easy to kill as that. Why? Shh. You little. This is my exit plan.
Thank you for listening. The next episode will come out at the same time next week. In that episode, the last for the season, we learn the outcome of the battle, who lived and who died. Special thanks to Ellen O'Connor for voicing Beatrice Likefield, Tanya Regan for the voice of Venus, David Ryan Kinsman as Tony and Mark Regan as John, with a special guest appearance by Deeper Matter as Shilpa. If you enjoy this podcast, tell your friends about it. For more information visit gravityundone.net.